Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. My name is Ty Evans. Thank you for tuning in today. Got a lot of great questions today. It's Mule Tip Tuesday, and I apologize I'm not coming to you live. Uh, we are gearing up to head out to the desert. We have our extreme trail riding clinic coming up, and so I'm sure I'm going to have a sweet, sweet uh, clinic recap coming up next week after this deal. So make sure you check us out next week and listen to that. But Anyways, I got a lot of good questions for today's Mule Tip Tuesday, and uh, I want to start by thanking our sponsors, though. Big thanks to Mules and More Magazine. If you haven't looked at Mules and More Magazine, you need to check them out. Go to mulesandmore.com. It's a great magazine. I've been reading Mules and More Magazine since I was a a child, and I know some of you are going to laugh and say, well, that was only like two years ago, but um, great magazine. They now have a digital version. You can get it on your smartphone, so be sure to check them out mulesandmore.com. Big thanks to Corey Daniels over there. She does a tremendous job. Okay, so we got some questions coming in here. Um, And if you ever have a question for Mule Tip Tuesday, be sure to email me, ty at tsmules.com, and we will try to get it on the show. Um, Zoe Sollenberger writes, Hey, I can't get good golly to take one step out onto the trail. She plants her feet. I tried opening the front driving etc nothing she does all that then when i try and lead her out she stops and i can't budge can't budge her she doesn't always do it but my suspicion is she doesn't want to leave her friends so zoe's asking basically if you can kind of get the picture here good golly is her mule and she can't get her to go out on the trail so she does a little work in the saddle can't get it done she gets off tries to lead her can't get it done So, Zoe, first suggestion I'm going to give you is while you're home, try to get these things going better. Zoe was just at our clinic in North Carolina a couple weeks back. And and, and Zoe, you know, after watching Good Golly there and you, Meal's got a lot of potential, but I can see where you're having some of these, these issues and I can see why they come up bigger when you try to go out on the trail. So first suggestion, get it good at home. Get these things better. Get her more responsive. You know, uh, one of the easiest pieces of the checklist that most people don't work on is transition work. Shifting up and shifting down. Walk, trot, lope, slow, medium, fast at each. Up and down. Shift up and down. Uh, get that responsive I know, golly, good golly, the mule is going to have some delay in those transitions. But, hey, work at it at home. Get that a little sharper. That way, at least when you want to go, at least you'll go forward. Forward motion is the number one thing I teach my mules when I'm starting them. Way back when they're wheelings. And then during the colt starting process, of course, we're in the round pen. I got to get them moving. If I can't move the thing... I cannot direct them. Movement comes before uh, you can direct them. And then as soon as you can direct the mule, boy, they'll go anywhere for you. But you got to at least get those feet freed up somehow, some way, get them going. So I'm going to go back, get my groundwork better. I'm going to get this riding a little bit better at home. So now let's fast forward to when you go out on the trail again. Let's say this happens again and um, she gets stuck and doesn't want to go down the trail. Don't try to keep making her go down the trail because it's already difficult for her to go forward as it is. Make it easy to go down the trail and just put her 
to a little bit of busyness right where she's at. So if she stops on the trail, doesn't want to go, I might say, no problem. Let's just do some figure eights right here. Or maybe I even go back. I might even go back five steps where I was moving. And I might move her there. You may have to go all the way back to the trailer, all the way back to the barn, whatever. Make it easy to go. Make it easy to go. Some mules, and I've talked I've talked about this a lot, you know, as far as like a barn sour mule or a herd bound mule. It's already difficult enough to go. It's already hard enough, like just like your mule here, Zoe, it's already difficult to go down the trail. That's hard enough. So don't try to make it harder to go down the trail. That needs to be made easier. I'm going to have to make things busier, make things a little more difficult right there on the trail uh, or back where the mule was already moving. I've got to make that a little more undesirable. i got to make the barn a little more undesirable. i got to make the other animal a little more undesirable and try to make as easy as I can to get them to go forward. So start there and making it uncomfortable or undesirable doesn't need, need to be a whole bunch of work. Sometimes it's just directed movement, which sounds like that'll be hard enough for this mule anyways, is just directed movement. So make it as easy as you can to go and then reward that step and leave them alone. Okay. By the way, if you hear some background noise like the mules back there, um, I'm recording this just uh, in my trailer, my horse trailer. Got the door open. It's a beautiful day here, sunny day. So you might hear some birds chirping. You might hear my mules. So anyways, I like those background noises anyhow. Okay, the next question comes from Jared. I don't have a last name. But he's uh, he sent this on the contact form on our website, tsmeals.com. I have a question about repetition and adding changes. Many times people will say, you need to engage the thinking side of a mule's brain. This is often simultaneously used with, don't move on from something until it is good. Where's the balance? For example, if a certain step, say on the checklist or in the saddle, isn't good, why does it make sense to add something uh, slash engage the mind that potentially makes an anxious mule worse? Like if I have a spooky mule and I take him into challenging terrain, that makes him think more. It could help him or he could spook in that terrain and send me off the mountain. Or I can ride my mule in a round pen day after day trying to get him better or take him out and expose him to many things that makes him think, but also make makes him way more anxious. How do I engage the mind and repetition? How do, in, excuse me, how do engaging the mind and repetition work together? Jared, that is a really good question. I appreciate you asking this. Um, there does need to be a balance there. I like that word. He says, where's the balance? So this is exactly why we have this whole checklist style of teaching our mules. You work on something and you hang in there until the mule has a better understanding of the question you're asking. How do I know that they have a better understanding? I'm not saying a perfect understanding. I'm saying a better. So they need to understand it better than they did when we began, okay? They need to understand my questions. How do I know when they have a better understanding? Well, when they have found comfort. And this is where the expressions come in. This is where making sure you're paying attention 
to what they're offering you. Watch their lips, watch their eyes, watch their ears. Pay attention, most importantly, I think, to their breathing. Um, pay attention to all the signs they're giving you. And as soon as they have a better understanding, then I can, A, move on to another piece. B, I might have to just stop and let them soak. And actually, stopping and soaking may have a, a huge part in helping them to better understand. We want them to think. So I do push further basically every ride. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm adding more pieces. Maybe I'm just trying to get that piece better. Maybe I'm just trying to get them to do one more step of the same thing we've been doing for weeks. Uh, maybe I'm trying to get it more willing. So every day I work up this checklist until I get to something that is maybe too challenging um, or, or not even that. Maybe I, I'm starting to sense some frustration. Maybe I'm starting to sense some uh, maybe the mule's just having a harder time sorting this out. Maybe I'm starting to feel that um, I've got enough that day. And that's hard stuff to talk about to teach because it's just about feel. Um, but I'm going to work up this list and get a little further. Get one more step if I can. And then the most important thing I'm going to do, Jared, is I'm going to go back down the checklist and I end with something that they're good at, something that they're so confident in, something they've done a lot of times, and they're solid. They just feel so comfortable. End with a yes. So I don't like to push to the, to the maximum and get my mule saying no. I push and get them saying, ooh, that's kind of difficult, but okay. And then I go back down to, to where they say, yes, I can do that. Now, engaging the mind doesn't have to be something exactly new. It may be a turned up something. For example, maybe engaging the mind might be, instead of walking a figure eight, I'm trotting a figure eight. That much more energy in life might be just enough to get them really thinking and searching. They, they, what we're trying to engage is, is the mule's ability to look for an answer. That's what we're trying to engage. I want them searching for an answer. Now, sometimes engaging that mind, you do need to add a little, just a nice little mixture of stress. Not too much. You don't want to give them too much anxiety, but they have to have a little anxiety, just a little dose of anxiety to be able to learn, just like you and I, just like, say you're trying to build a muscle, you got to have a little stress, a little tension on that muscle so that it'll grow, so that it'll get stronger. It's the same thing with the mule's mind. You got to create these connections. They got to start putting together these little dendrite connections in their mind of what you're trying to do. But there has to be just enough st stress, just enough discomfort to cause them to look for comfort. If they're comfortable, they won't look. It's like that old saying, you know, pressure is 
is only as effective as the release. The release is as only as only as effective as the pressure. You can't have either one without the other. So there has to be that balance there. Now, as far as repetition goes, again, I do enough until my mule understands my question better or they understand how to find the answer better. Not perfect. Um, and I have no I have no answer as far as a formula. Uh, uh, you know, do this many circles, do this many turns, stop them this many times, go this many times. I, I don't have anything like that to tell you. But there's a big difference in repetition and drilling. And there's another question, and I'm going to answer this at the same time here, from Sean Colombo. Uh, hit that that question from Sean was how long to work each day and how to determine when I'm drilling an exercise. So Sean and Jared, I'm going to answer these pieces together. Repetition is not a big deal at all. So there's some myth about out there about repetition. You can't repeat, repeat, repeat with a mule. That's not true. You can repeat as long as you're offering a good release as long as the mule is finding relief in the release you could keep on going for quite some time cattle work is a really good example of that the other day i was helping my buddy pair and uh move some cows and calves so as we're pairing up you know we're watching for you know and all his calves are tagged so we're watching for the numbers and trying to find the moms and the numbers and and so I'll do a little work and I was riding Dally and I do a little, little pairing and I'd, I'd gather a, a mom and a calf and maybe another mom and a calf. And then I just sit there and I just watch out over the herd looking for another pair to appear. And in the meantime, I'm just sitting there letting Dally just relax and just soak. Okay. And then I go work again. Shoot. We did that. We, we paired for two hours straight. Some of you might say, geez, Ty, she's only a three-year-old. That's a lot of work for a three-year-old. Yeah, it is, except for the work was only in short little spurts. And then I let her sit. So in two hours, she probably sat an hour and a half and moved a half an hour. Because I'd wait and let the cows and calves pair themselves up and then just move them a little bit is no big deal. I can repeat, I could repeat that two hours straight like that because of the soak time. As long as the mule's finding relief in the release, you can keep on repeating. I don't have, Sean, same for Jared, I don't have a, a an exact answer. How long to work each day? I don't know. So right now I'm working a couple cults. I got a cult named Dally that I just talked about. And I got a cult named Hannah. Dally, her her working times have been sporadic. There's some days I, I rode for four hours. And then some days I just caught her and I worked for 10, 15 minutes and put her away. So it's kind of all over the place. There's not an exact time. Basically, as long as my mule is willingly searching and looking for answers and they're trying for me, um, I'm going to, I could keep going. Or I could stop. The main thing I would say is I'm not going to stop. So so rather than how long, I'll tell you what I'm not 
what I wouldn't stop on. I wouldn't stop when I thought the meal was bored. So whatever, whatever is in your human mind that you would call boredom and how you'd explain boredom, whatever the meal is doing to fit that definition, don't stop on that. I want to stop while my meal's mind is engaged, just like Jared asked about, when they're thinking, when they're interested, when they're searching. I would not stop with a mule misunderstanding what I'm asking them. So meaning maybe you would describe them as seeming frustrated or, or not quite getting it. Um, I'm going to end on something they're very confident on. That they're going to be saying yes on. How you quit and when you quit makes a big difference. And, and more importantly than how long to work each day, it's more important to focus on the moment. Quitting per moment. See, a lot of people will ride, 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 and then find one spot to quit, and that's it. No, there should be tons of little micro breaks in there where you're letting the mule soak. When you're drilling an exercise, you'll find the mule stress levels will, will go higher. Um, now, they may be a little stressful anyways when you're introducing something new. Um, if you find yourself saying, no, I, I need, that's, that's not, that's not perfect. Uh, you know, I didn't like how they did that. And, and you start nitpicking little movements and that's okay. You, you do need to be particular and try to get better. I'm not saying not to do that, but don't forget they're just a mule. They're just a donkey. They're just a horse. They, they, they don't care about how many turnarounds you can do. They don't care how quick you can stop. They don't quit. They don't really care how, how cool they look doing flying lead changes. That's all you. That's all the rider. That's all us. So doing all those things perfect isn't a, isn't what they're after. They're after comfort. So when you find yourself, when you find yourself offering less comfort, when you find yourself not searching for the opportunity to give them a reward. See, as I'm working, I'm thinking, when can I stop? Meaning, when can I give you a break? You just give me anything good here, I'm going to give you a rest. I can't wait to tell my mule, good job. Some of you have heard my uh, clapping story at Bishop Mule Days. So, Sky and I were at Bishop Mule Days a few years back, and we're at a concert there, and we're on the very back row and the row in front of us, there's a fellow there and, and he's this guy that cannot wait to clap. Like he, he wants to start the clap. Okay. So, so he's got his hands up and he's just like, can't wait to slap his hands together as soon as the song just barely fades off. He, he's ready. He's going to start this clap and he is so excited. He did that every single song of that whole concert he started the clap guarantee it, every time and he was just so stoked i never saw his face but i could just tell from behind his enthusiasm he just loved to clap we could take a lesson from that guy that's how we need to be for our meals we need to be cheering our meals on we can't wait to clap for them and tell them good job and thank you so I would be focusing on that, Sean and Jared, as you're working. Just look for opportunities. So rather than looking, okay, well, is this good enough for me? Are they doing it good enough? 
you know, because I've been that way lots of times. Instead of being like that, you say, hey, I can't wait to tell you good job. Thanks for the question, Jared and Sean. I hope uh, that gives you something to think about. Let me know what you think of that. Next question comes from Lorna Christofferson. I have a question about mule containment at base camp of an endurance ride. My mule's attitude adjusts in the wrong direction in camp. Lightweight aluminum corrals are what most folks use. High lines and pickets are not typically used. It might create problems. My mule is anxious out of sight of the other campers, animals, because she can still hear them and rams the fence. Inside of humans and horses, it is worse depending on what passes by her and how often. She wants to get out and rams the fence. If she was a horse, I would think she would eventually get used to the situation. Instead, she seems to become irritated with the situation and with me. I have tried to tie her to the trailer but she seems mad and kicks at me. Is the only answer to take a dull companion animal to every ride? Is that letting her tell me what to do? She is mostly calm, friendly, and obedient at home. Also, the anxious behavior tends to subside and then recur every couple of hours. She tries to push me around on the ground in camp, but she almost never does at home. We're usually camp for two nights. Okay, Lorna, this is a great question. You know, we were, uh, we had a, a clinic uh, actually right here where I'm at a couple weeks, well, I guess a month ago. And, you know, one of the ladies that came out to camp, her mule was doing the same thing, very anxious at camp, uh, paces back and forth in, in the corral, paws in the corral, digs in the corral, was difficult to saddle and, and just acts like a ding dong out here at camp. Um, but same thing, she says, hey, when I'm home, life is good. It's just, man, I can't take this dang meal camping until the second day <laughs> the first day that mule worked and it not that it was such a crazy intense ride that it wore the mule out but it was an engaging ride so we didn't just go down the trail the mule in fact i made it a rule for everybody don't follow the butt in front of you Ride your own mule. Ride the trail in front of you. And Patty was her name. She she did that. She rode her mule the whole time. And she got that mule engaged in thinking. She got that mule where it was considering where to put its feet, where to go, how to go. She asked it questions all day long. That mule was so much better day two. Actually, you know, that night of day one. You got to get these mules thinking. So first thing I'm going to tell you, Lorna, is ask this mule lots of questions. The mule's pushing you on the ground. You know, you say it doesn't do it at home. It only does it at camp. It's just like I was telling Miss Patty. They're pushing you around at home too. Your, your standards just aren't as maybe as heightened or maybe you don't notice it as much. Pay attention. Get it good at home. Get it good everywhere. The mule is pushing you on the ground at home. And it's pushing you in the saddle when you ride. Um, so turn up your groundwork. Turn up your riding work. Get better. Ask more questions. On your rides, do not poke down the trail. Ask questions. Go off the trail. If you can't go off the trail, do something on the trail. Go around that bush. Go around that tree. Go around that rock. Go to the left of that pebble to the right of that pine cone. Go over the stick. You know, just engage that mule thought. And you'll see a huge improvement. 
this is a mental problem. This this is a this is a mind problem. Okay, this is not necessarily a training like a a a physical fix. Uh, you know, some people, well, put, you know, if they ram the fences, put a hot wire. Yeah, that works. I mean, that's something that I recommend to people. You could put a hot wire up. You're not fixing anything though. You're just making it so they don't ram your fence because they'll get shocked, but you're not fixing anything. You're not helping that mule out. This mule needs some mental engagement, Lorna. So that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to get them thinking. That might mean uh, some busy rides coming up for you. That might not mean just poking down the trail. Uh, I would not get a companion um, just for this reason. I mean, mules definitely, and horses, these are herd animals. They definitely do better in a herd. This is how they're made. They feel comfort in the herd. But you need to help this mule feel comfortable in its own skin, just being there with you. So, yeah, you you could you could bring a companion, but then when you go ride, you're going to be dealing with the companion back, probably doing the same thing. Your meal's probably going to get herd bound because you're not really fixing the issues. You're just trying to ease the um, symptoms here. So I'm going to get my groundwork going. I'm going to get my riding going. I'm going to get this mule thinking. That's that's really such a huge part. You know, a lot of these mules that have issues with colic or a lot of health problems. You know, the health problems, the physical health problems are often born from mental problems because they're not mentally stable. They get caught in a fence. They get caught in a fence and they're not mentally stable. They're freaking out in their mind and they rip their leg all up in the barbed wire instead of just being comfortable mentally and just thinking through it and not panicking. So that's just one little example, but the, the mental mind frame and the best way to get them in a good mental frame of mind is asking questions. It's just kind of like a kindergartner. When you guys send your kindergartners to school, you know, they're little terrorists when they're at home. Four-year-olds, right? As five-year-olds, you send them off to kindergarten and you're like, oh, that's a nice couple hours. They're gone. And they come back from kindergarten and, and they might be a little hyper, but not near as bad as they used to be because they had some mental engagement at school. They've been thinking. They've been using that thinking side of their mind where they're processing and they're making some choices. We want our mules to think and make choices. That's a good thing. Thanks for the question, Lorna. Hope that helps you get that mule thinking. Appreciate it. Let me know what you think. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hang tight. Hey, you want to jump on here real quick and give a big shout out to my buddy, Colt Naring. Um, if you're looking for a good custom-built saddle, that fits mules and fits you, you need to check out Colt Salary. You find him on Facebook, Colt Salary, and uh, tell him Ty sent you. He will take good care of you. Okay, we're back with Mule Tip Tuesday, and I got a few more great questions. I appreciate you guys writing in. The next question comes from Cindy Hickman. I have a 14-hand pony mule. I'm working through the herdbound issue. He has the roughest trot ever. Any advice? I'm not controlling his speed in any way. Should I? Question mark. I'm afraid my mule can outlast me. Do I just need to let him go at his own pace? And I need to just be in better shape? Question mark. Okay, Cindy. So, um, 
you mentioned a couple things here. She writes, she's done with Herdbound, okay? And then a rough trot. So, you know, if you want to get that trot or the walk or, or any of your gates smoother, the best thing to do is extend them, or at least that's what I found to, you know, have a variety of of speeds, you know, not just one bouncy trot. You can go a little slower. You know, when I do a slow trot, I sit that trot. If I do a medium trot, I post it. And when I do an extended trot, I'm kind of up on the balls of my feet. I'm riding, I'm forward, I'm going. So the other thing is is how they carry themselves. A lot of times we are a little too tight on the reins and the mule doesn't collect, doesn't soften or anything, but we're just hanging on them reins and they elevate that head. They hollow that back. Mules are heavy on the forehand and it makes that trot just miserable. And man, I'd rather do anything else than ride that trot. So a couple things I'm going to do, and, and this is kind of leading to, into some, some collection topics that would be good to talk about at some point. But, you know, collection starts from the hindquarters forward. Everybody wants to work on the soft feel and work on the mouth back for collection. But I like to work from the hindquarters forward. That's what I learned from my mentors. One of the very first things I do to start getting these mules collected and balanced is hindquarter control. Getting them to really engage, not disengage, engage the hindquarters. Okay, and then you start, then you move forward, you work on that forehand, get that forehand where you can move. And Cindy might be saying, what does this have to do with a smooth trot? I'll get there. But get to that, that forehand where I can really clear that front, get them to turn around nice. And then I'll start working on that soft feel. And I start working on carrying a soft feel. But you can't carry that soft feel until you got engagement. You can't carry the soft feel until they can ride on course on a loose rein at all speeds and transitions. So that means I wouldn't ask this mule to trot with a soft feel or collected until I could trot on course on a loose rein. Okay, so that's what I'm going to start with. So I'm going to be doing lots of that, picking up that soft feel, Cindy, trying to, you know, the other thing that I might do with this to get them to carry themselves better is is go over some trotting poles get some little you know a little three inch four inch five inch maybe even six inch poles and let them trot over those get them to do a little more extending a little bit uh, pick up their their four quarters a little bit better i might start there um so that's how I'm going to try to get that trot a little bit smoother and shifting up and down. Try trotting a little faster. Try trotting a little slower. You, it, there's not just a plain trot or just a walk uh, or just a lope. It's going to be faster, slower, whatever. Um, yes, you should control speed. That was another question. Should I control the speed? Yes. Always. Ask, ask, change those speeds too. Don't just go a long time. If any of you come on a trail ride with me and watch me, you'll see me change speeds just constant. Now, maybe somebody that wasn't really paying attention that close wouldn't see it. They might say, well, we just walked for the last hour. But I might walk a little slower, walk a little faster. Slower, a little faster. Walk medium. Walk slow, walk fast. I'm shifting up and down. Um, okay, so... And, you know... 
riding that trot, if it's really beating you to um, check your stirrup length. So if I know I'm going to do lots of transitions today, maybe I would raise my stirrups up one hole a little tighter so I have a little bit more balance there. Um, so you might check your saddle adjustments too. That's just another side note. Thanks, Cindy. Good question. Okay. Um, the next question here comes from Susan Farrell. I, sus I subscribed to your video membership and watching the video of the mule that ran off and hurt Terry at a clinic in Cave Creek. I noticed that you cleared the fronts and rolled the hinds before riding it and then once riding it did the same. The mule was tense and running off, but did have some moments of settling down later in the session. And my question is, why didn't you then stop and let the mule soak? If they learn when you stop pushing them, wouldn't this have been a good time to reinforce the good behavior? When should we be letting them soak? Is this only for groundwork exercises? P.S. I hope Terry is recovered. And did she keep the mule? How is the mule doing now? Okay, so first of all, Great question, Susan. Thank you for subscribing to the video library. I hope you're enjoying that. Um, the question about soaking. So remember, uh, and I've talked about this lots and we teach this at the clinics, right? You don't have to literally physically be stopped for the mule to soak. Back when they're weanlings, yearlings, youngsters, we do a full release and just totally quit. Let them stand and soak so they can kind of learn that as they progress on and get a little bit better we can keep going we can walk and let them feel comfort if if this isn't the case then we'd be out on the trail and we'd go 10 feet down the trail and we'd have to stop and say good boy good job going 10 feet down the trail and we'd have to stop and let them relax but that's not the case they can find comfort while walking they can find comfort while moving so when you see me in this video, if you go back and watch this video, if you guys don't know what she's talking about, it's on the video library and problem solving. Um, but watch, and, and, I, and I leave that mule alone. And when it gets tight and tense, I engage the mind. I move the mule, ask it questions. And then when he relaxes, I just ride on loose rein. So that's really important to notice. You don't have to just stop all the way, physically come to a complete stop for the mule to find comfort. They can find comfort in just walking. And that's really important. So that's what I'm doing there. And um, let's see what else here. Um, so when should we be letting them soak? Let them soak whenever you get a change for the positive. When, when they are considering what it is you're asking them when they're trying what it is. They're, I'm not saying they have to get it right. I'm just saying when they're trying, when they're attempting, when they're looking, when they're searching, I, I really like to reward my mules for searching. Let them search, let them look. And if they're willing to search and look, I will let them soak. I will back off. And there's so many scenarios, but basically Pressure can be just you asking a question. Back off from asking that question. That can be your soak time. And no, soaking is not just for groundwork exercise. Soaking is for or, or letting them relax or letting them sit, letting them, them think, letting them chew on it, letting them lick on it. 
Um, that is for all parts of mealmanship. The whole thing. So from the ground to the ride. Okay. And yeah, Terry's doing a little better. I have not talked to her recently, but um, last time I did, she was doing better. And as far as I know, she does still have the mule. I'm not sure how the mule's doing or if they're working with it or or what. I don't know those details right now. So sorry about that, Susan. But great question. Yeah, let them soak. They learn when you quit. But when you quit, it doesn't have to be a complete stop. Just leaving them alone. And this particular mule, now that I'm got my mind thinking on it. I don't know that just stopping and standing there would actually be the best release because this mule needed to move his feet. He wanted to go. Remember, the stopping isn't necessarily the best thing for your animals. And after he, this mule, you know, just runs away, that's the last thing the mule wants to do, right? Is stop. The mule doesn't want to stop. It needs to go. It needs to protect itself, it thinks. So letting it move is probably a better reward than trying to make it stop. You can't make them stop and soak. You got to let them find that piece. So good questions, uh, Susan. Thank you. Let me know what you, what you think of that answer. Let's see what else we got. Okay, we got one more. Tanner Dant. So this is Tanner's first mule he's asking about. We answered a question uh, last week or the week before on uh, for Tanner as well. But this is his first mule. He's had a couple weeks uh, it just was recently blinded. So Tanner tried to put fly spray on. The mule bolted. Tanner lost him. Mule trotted around some until Tanner caught it. Tanner put him in the round pin, turned him loose. Since then, Tanner can't catch him. The mule acts terrified. What should he do? Thanks, Tanner. Uh, this was actually a question off of our Facebook group. If you're not in our Facebook group, you need to be. Uh, Ty Evans Mulemanship Clinics on Facebook great place to ask questions. And this is where Tanner's question come from. So Tanner, here's the deal. You got the mule in the round pen. Good. Uh, the mule's scared of you. Okay. So next time you go in there, go in there, not as somebody that's trying to catch a mule, not as somebody that's trying to capture and get a halter on a mule and not somebody that's trying to touch a mule. That's a lot of our predator instincts coming in there. This mule's obviously on the or on the flight. And so us coming in there so abrupt might cause some problems. So this is what, what I might do. I might just go in that. First of all, let me back up. I'm going to get my mind super right with this mule then, okay? So I'm going to make sure that I am totally calm, totally cool, totally chill, whatever nice peaceful words you want to use. Um, I got my mind right before I go, I'm going to go in, in this round pen. And once I, I got that covered, I'm going to go in there. I'm just going to be there. I'm not going to try to catch the thing. I might have the halter hanging on my arm, but I'm not even thinking about catching the thing. I'm just going to walk in there and I'm just going to lean against that fence. Just relax, just be present. And I want you to notice the mule and see what see what the mule is is doing just be aware of it just start watching how it's stepping watch how it walks watch where it looks watch how it looks and just note every part of that mule from nose to tail that might only take you five seconds it might take you five minutes i don't know i don't know 
just analyze the meal. This is one of the very first things I do every time I walk in. Once you have that done, I want you to walk toward the mule. And when the mule moves away, I just want you to walk very calmly, extremely calmly, almost lazily. And I just want you to follow that mule around. Just follow it. It's going to go over there and it's going to go back over here and it's going to trot back over there. I don't want you to keep up with the mule. I just want you to follow it. Okay. After you follow it for maybe five, 10 minutes, I want you to start making some lines and some angles across, across that uh, round pin to where you're slightly uh, not quite cutting the mule off, but you're kind of stepping in there um, and, and drawing the mule's eye, stepping ahead of the shoulder at the point of the shoulder, stepping back to the hip, to the tail, and trying to get that mule to look at you. Every time that mule looks at you in any way, and it puts his ears towards you, I want you to take a step back and maybe two or three steps, maybe four or five steps back and try to draw that mule in. Okay, that's one of the first things I'd do. And you're going to do this until that mule maybe takes a step towards you. Maybe that mule takes a step towards you. Maybe the mule comes down enough that you could walk up on the side that's not blind, I recommend, and just pet it and then back off. Don't try to catch it. You just try to pet it. Okay, so I might do that a little while until I could actually catch the mule. And I might take my dear sweet time. It might take me half an hour to get a halter on. I'm not trying to catch it. I'm trying to get it ready to catch. Okay, so I might do that for a while. Maybe I'm not getting it done. Maybe I still can't get it caught. Maybe it's still not making progress. I might just get my lariat rope out. And I'm not going to try to catch the mule with the lariat rope. I'm just going to throw this rope, again, calmly, lazily. I'm going to throw this rope and let it set down on the mule's back. Throw the rope, let it set down on the mule's back. Throw your rope, let it set down on the mule's back. You're not trying to catch it. You're not trying to get the rope around its neck. You're not trying to catch a foot. You're just throwing that rope, letting it set. Some of these mules, uh, especially if they have been caught before, once there's a rope kind of touching them, sometimes they'll calm right down. So you might just throw this rope up on his back and be able to walk up and pet him on the neck. Walk up, pet him on the neck, pull your rope off his back. Do it again. If he's scared while you're throwing the rope, try to do it with less pressure. And just throw it. You might have to just throw it in the dirt for a little while, but they every mule, whether you guys rope or not, needs to be good with rope. So this is a good opportunity to get familiar anyways. So I might just do that, let the rope land on his back. Pull it off. Throw it again. Let it land on his back. Pull it off. Repeat it. Until at some point, I promise you, you'll be able to throw that rope up on that mule's back, walk up, pet it on the neck. It's going to stand there. You could get your halter out, get your halter on. Or if you need to, just slip your rope over its neck and just lead it by the throat latch. Remember, that's your true lead anyways. On your rope halter, your true lead is your lead rope. And then the little piece, the little two-stranded piece that goes up under their jaw. And then around their throat latch. That's your true lead. We don't, you don't lead them by the nose. You lead them by the throat latch. Or at least that's what I do. So you don't necessarily need a nose band. Just slip your rope over and have it on the throat latch. If you're scared that you might pull on it and you might tighten it and you might put too much force to maybe cause the mule to think you're choking it, just tie a knot in your rope so they can't go too tight. Pretty simple. So what we do with foals, right? So 
I might just do that. I might not even take my halter in there. I might just get it done with my rope. I do a lot of, I mean, most, most of the mules I get that are, you know, if I get something that's really wild or if I'm working with somebody at a clinic, I got a, a mule that's really wild. I'm, I'm, I don't even take my halter. I just have my rope. And like I said, they all need to be familiar with ropes. And if you do it right, don't do it violently. Don't do it crazily. Do it with respect. It'd be no big deal. Get them caught. Get them work. It'll be great. So, Tanner, that's where I'd start. Another thing I might do with a mule that's really touchy is I might just get a foot roped and I might start teaching it to lead by a foot. A lot of mules I get that are not even halter broke, I start with the feet. I don't start with her face. I start with the feet. I get a hoof roped, get a foot picked up, start teaching it how to lead before I ever even put a halter on it. So that's something else that you could do quite a bit of and, and, and get that pretty nicely. So anyways, that was a great meal tip Tuesday. Uh, a lot of great questions. I appreciate you guys writing in. If I could ask you a favor, I'd be so grateful if you guys would leave me a review. If you think we deserve five stars, go ahead and hit the five star mark. I would love to hear what you guys have to say about these podcasts and these meal tip Tuesdays. So leave your review, say hello. Uh, be sure to tell me where you guys are watching from or listening from. And uh, I'm very grateful for all of you. So until next week, God bless. Have a great day and we will see you down the road.